0: Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Nahmuduhu wa nasalli ala rasooli al-kareem. Amma ba'dah. Alhamdulillah. Tonight is the 16th of February in the year 2023. And Alhamdulillah, we moved on to the 59th night that we're going through the exalted and dear life of the illustrious companion, Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik. So the next section is entitled, His Passing Away to Eternal Glory. Sayyidina Anas الله, in the final years of his blessed life would now often be seen in grief, remembering his magnificent brothers and sisters تعالى, who had by now all virtually passed away. Sayyidina Anas would say, SubhanAllah, no one remains of those who offered Salah facing both qiblas except myself. This is in Sahih Bukhari, number 4,489, Ibn in Istabaqad, volume 1, page 12 of the English translation in the chapter on the companions of the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, who settled in Basra. So let's look at this. So, who is he referring to? He's referring to the companions. And he said, there is nobody left alive who faced both Jerusalem as their Qibla and also Makkah, except myself. The momentous change of the Qibla had taken place during the second year of the Hijrah. In Sahih Bukhari, number 4,492. Sahih Muslim, number 525. Sayyidina Al-Bara ibn Azib he said we offered salat along with the Prophet وسلم, facing Bayt al-Maqdis for 16 to 17 months, i.e. after the hijrah. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ordered him وسلم, to turn his face towards the Qibla i.e. in Makkah. So here in this flawless report Bara ibn Azib he explained when the change took place. It was 16, 17 months after the Hijrah. That's when the change took place. So for the first year after the Hijrah, they were still facing Beit al-Maqdis. And then for another four or five months thereafter. Then the Qibla was changed to Makkah. Sayyidina Anas Radiyaddha was thus around 12 years old at the time and had gone on to live just shy of another 90 years after that momentous event of so he was a child, possibly he may have become Balik when the Qibla changed but now at the end of his life because there's nobody left who faced both the Qibla except myself. Sayyidina Anas he was now experiencing the very narration which he himself relates from our beloved messenger when he said sallallahu sallam, a man becomes old until he is bored, i.e. exhausted with himself. And his family, children and relatives are bored, i.e. exhausted with him, upon which death comes as a relief to all and conceals him. SubhanAllah. This is in Quran in his Tafsir, Volume 6, page 109 of the New English Translation. So Anas relates this, but he heard the Prophet say this, so when does a man become old? The Prophet said, these are the signs. He is bored with himself meaning he's exhausted, he's worn his body out. And conversely, his family, children, relatives are exhausted with him Mm. because they just, every other day something's happening. Mm. Then the Prophet said, upon which death comes as a relief to all and conceals him. Mm. So it's a relief for the one who's aged and also those who are going through the troubles of looking after him or her. So look how twitching Anas related that when he was healthy from the prophet sallallahu alaihi was now he himself was experiencing this those anas famously went on to say radiyallahu loola anna rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam qala la yatamanna ann ahadukum almaut were it not that rasulullah said sallallahu alaihi wasallam none of you should wish for death la then I would now have wished for it. This is in Sayyid Muslim, number 6816, in the chapter on Dhikr, Dua, Tawbah, and Istighfar. So here in this Sayyid Hadith, he goes, the only reason I'm not praying for death is because I heard the Prophet say, don't wish for it. So what does that mean? It means he was getting tired of life. And in a slightly different wording, Anas Anhu said, if I had not heard the Prophet saying وسلم, You should not long for death I would now have longed for it This is in Sayyid Bukhari number 7233 In the chapter I wishes? So the wording is slightly different Here you should not even long for death The Prophet said so Anas said, I would now have longed for it if the Prophet did not command this. In the hadith in Sahih Muslim, there's not even you should wish for death because I would now have wished for it otherwise. As mentioned, he would often be heard saying, Oh, how I wish that I could meet Rasulullah and say to him, Ya Rasulullah, it is your humble servant. I at your service. This is in Al-Bidayah, Volume 9, by Hafiz ibn Kathir. So how many years or decades was he wishing that? So obviously he was 20 when the Prophet passed away, ﷺ. So for over 8 decades or thereabouts, he was wishing to be with the Prophet, <laughs> to serve him again, ﷺ. Thus, eventually, at long last, the long-awaited honourable visitor, waslam, finally arrived. And Sayyidina Anas fell seriously ill. an another ibn Shaddad relays from his father, when Sayyidina Anas fell ill, it was said to him, should we not call a physician for you? He replied, can the physician now treat me? This is recorded in al Bidaya in the chapter amongst the prominent people who died in the year 93 AH. So when he was very ill, Obviously, you try to call a doctor or a physician and his response is very interesting. He said, can the physician now treat me? Because <laughs> goes, my body is worn out. He goes, what can the physician do? Mm-hmm. It has also been recorded. Somebody asked, should we not call the doctor for you? Mm-hmm. Sayyidina Anas replied, the doctor has already given me the medicine. Mm-hmm. He thereupon added, rather encourage me now with the words, La ilaha illallah. He then continued to utter this until the point of death just prior to which he then requested to be buried with the stuff that had been given to him by Rasulullah. Recorded in Al-Bidayah in the chapter amongst the prominent people who died in the year 93 AH. So when they said shall we call a doctor he goes the doctor's giving me the medicine meaning it's, it's time to leave and he goes now tell me to say La ilaha illa. And then he made the request, don't forget to bury me with the stuff the Prophet gave me. For the Thus, in Anas' response, الله, to those who were now seriously concerned about the deterioration of his health, he followed no other than the hallowed example of the greatest men after the Prophets and Messages. Abu Safr, he said, during his illness, some people came to Sayyidina Abu Bakr, radhiyallahu to inquire after his health. They asked, should we call some physician to examine you? Uh, this Abu Bakr replied, the physician has already examined me. The people asked in surprise, what did the physician say? Abu Bakr he said, that he subhanahu wa ta'ala said, yurid, verily I do what I will. This is in Surah Hud, alayhi Wa Salam, this verse, Surah 11, verse 108, and Surah Al-Buruj, Surah 85, verse 16. This is recorded in Ahmed, Ibn Sa'ad in Istabaqad, Volume 2, page 141, Ibn Abi Shaiba in al musannaf Qanzul Umal, Volume 2, page 153, Abu Nu'im al-Hiliyab, Qurtubi in Tafsir 19-297, Ibn Kathir Tafsir, Volume 10, page 435, of the English translation, Imam Syuti in Istariq al-Khulafa, Hayat al-Sahaba, Volume 2, page 67, of the Old English translation. So Abu Bakr Siddiq, when he was on his deathbed, he goes, The physician has already examined me. So, why did he describe Allah the Almighty and Glorious as the physician? Because the Prophet also mentioned this. He quoted, He said وسلم, that Allah the Almighty and Glorious, He says, Hadith Qudsi in Ahmad, He goes, Seek my forgiveness. Otherwise, I am the physician. <laughs> So this is the rough meaning of the Hadith So Allah, the Almighty and Glorious says, I want to forgive your sins. But if you don't ask me, I will have to treat you. So the treating obviously is ailments, the, uh, accidents. So Allah is kind of saying, don't wait for that. So here Abu Bakr said, the physician has already examined me. So why are you asking for the physician to come? Mm. So the people didn't get it. They thought this some doctor Because what did he say to you? Then he recited Quran, then he woke up. <laughs> Verily, I do what I will. Because nobody can stop my degree. And that's mentioned in two places if you're interested. So the last section entitled His Last Will and Instructions. Sayyidina Anas, now in his final moments, directed his family and noble students. To bring those priceless belongings. He had treasured and kept safe for over eight decades. <laughs> In Sahih Bukhari number 5925. Thumama so relates rahmatullah aleyh, that Anas. Through Anas radiallahu. Um Suleim radiallahu. Used to spread a leather mattress for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi sallam, Where he enjoyed his Kailulah. His midday nap. When Rasulullah would awake. Sallallahu alayhi I would collect his perspiration and his hair, put these into a bottle and blended them with perfume. For mm-hmm. Mama when Anas was on the brink of death, he willed that the scent be applied to his shroud. Mm-hmm. This is in Sayyid Bukhari, number 5925. So I mentioned this quite a few times, but these priceless belongings were acquired in the blessed dwelling where the Prophet would rest. So his beloved mother, Umm Salim, she collected his sweat, his hair, and she blended it with some perfume. So Anas had kept that for eight decades. Think about that. And then he says, applied to my shroud, the scent. Clarifying further, Hamid al said, When Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik passed away, he was anointed with musk that contained the perspiration of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This is in Behaki in his Sunan al kubra 3-106. So here it mentions clearly it was the sweat of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and there was a mosque, that was the mosque he put on it and he was, he was uh, anointed with this. His illustrious student followed suit. When Muhammad ibn Sirim passed away عليه, the blessed sweat of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was mixed as per his last will, into the perfume, which was used for washing his body. This is in Tabarani in his Kabir, number 20,799. So like I mentioned, Muhammad ibn Sirin was his famous, one of his famous students. He also got some of that blessed sweat. And he also said, put it upon my body when I die. His most exalted student, Fabid al-Bunani, he said, Sayyidina Anas said to me dear Lord, this hair, is the hair of Rasulullah Wasallam. place it beneath my tongue once I have died. I just placed it beneath his tongue and when he was buried it was beneath his tongue. This is in al Isaba, 171 and Fatal al So he kept the blessed hair and how unusual that he said put it under my tongue O Thabit. And when he passed away, Thabik goes, I respectfully placed it under his tongue. And he was buried with the hair of the Prophet under his tongue. Sallallahu <laughs> Alaihi Muhammad ibn Sidin, he said, Rahmatullah alayhi, Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik radiyaullah had in his possession a short stuff that belonged to Rasulullah. <laughs> Thus, when he passed away, he was buried with it between his chest and burial garment. <laughs> so there was a short stuff and he was buried within his shroud. This is recorded in Ibn Asakir in his Tariq Dimashq 9-387, Asad ghaba Volume 1, Bazar in his Musnad No. 840 or 1-395 states, We know of no one who narrated this except Makhul Ibn Rashid, who was entirely truthful but somewhat Shia. It is therefore considered in this light. Be-Haki also relates it and echoed the weak nature of his account is clearly evident. Al-Hathami in Majma' al 3-45 states, Hassan, Ibn Kathir, Sira Volume 4, page 509 to 10 of the English translation. So there's a person in the chain and he had tendencies with regards to the Shia. So some ulama, they overlook that because it's sound, sound enough to be accepted. But Imam Behaq, he said, weak. <laughs> because there's a Rafidi in the chain. Whatever the case, it mentions the stuff and it makes sense that he would have probably got this as well. So simply put, subhanallah, Within Anas's revered, auspicious grave lie the following three priceless items of our beloved messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam: his priceless sweat, his priceless hair, and his priceless short stuff. So all of this was to teach us that this is seeking blessings, either tabarruk from the righteous, and there was nobody more righteous than the prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allahu Akbar, how could any fail with iman in one's grave with such immense protection mm. leaving aside the rank and endless virtues of this most noble man. So what's interesting is did he need all this? <laughs> and obviously he was the servant of the Prophet but notice he was preparing fully for the journey ahead teaching us try your best to do everything before you leave the world. Mm. Surely, thereafter Amidst much grief and sorrow, the pure and unparalleled soul of this most exalted man was thereupon taken to the highest assembly. Mm. Those passed away, the son of the heavenly one, mm. whose footsteps our beloved Messenger heard in paradise, Sayyidina Romesa, mm. the grandson of Sayyidina Malika, the brother of Sayyidina Abu Umar Radiallah, Abdullah and Sayyiduna Bara ibn al-Malik radiyallahu The nephew of the illustrious personalities Sayyiduna Anas ibn Nadir radiyallahu Sayyid Sayyiduna Haram ibn Milhan radiyallahu Sayyida Umm Haram and Sayyiduna Rubay'a ibn Nadhr radiyallahu the cousin of our beloved messenger وسلم, and the eminent martyr of Badr Sayyiduna Haritha ibn Sulaka the dear young servant of our beloved Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi who affectionately called him the one with the two ears Abu Hamza and Ya Bunaya O oh my dear son the one whose home our beloved Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam treated as his own and in which countless miracles were observed the most fortunate one for whom our beloved Messenger had supplicated for an increase in his wealth and children long life Forgiveness, all the good of this world and the next, and paradise itself. The possessor of the truly priceless sweat of our beloved messenger Wasallam, his blessed hair, wooden bowl, sandals, handkerchief, and stuff. The renowned Mujahid, who fought under the gallant Sayyidina Allah ibn al-Hadrami, and thus saw further countless miracles. The immense worshipper, who offered Salat until his blessed feet would bleed. The one whose du'as were readily answered. One of the most prolific, blessed narrators of the sacred Ahadith. The one whom the Yusuf of this nation, angelic companion and prince of Yemen, Sayyidina jalil humbly served. The governor of Bahrain, a noble teacher of Basra, from whom countless outstanding students emerged. The one who lived through no less than 11 to 12 khalifats all from the honorable tribe of the Quraysh and the one who was honored above others to see our beloved messenger every night during his long and exalted life. Our example par excellence, the majestic Sayyidina Anas Ibn Malik. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be well pleased with him and forgive us all for his honorable sake. Ameen. For so all of that was a CV which we've been through the last two months, but not his virtues are unending and you'd expect that obviously with such a long and venerable life. The news of this most exalted man's passing spread like wildfire throughout the Islamic world. It was not long thereafter that what seemed to be believers in their hundreds of thousands had now flocked around his blessed funeral beer. His blessed body was finally laid to rest in Taf, a village near Basra in Iraq. Thus indeed, how fortunate are our dear brothers and sisters in that part of the world. Where countless noble companions lay buried. For Abu Qureb relates from Uthman ibn Najia, who relates from Abdullah ibn Muslim Abi Taybar, who relates from Abdullah ibn Buraida, who relates from his father, Radiyallah, that our beloved messengers reported to have said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, There is no one amongst my companions, Radiyallahu ta'ala who dies in a land, except that he shall be resurrected as a guide and a light for them, i.e. the people of that fortunate land on the day of resurrection. This is in, recorded in Tirmidhi, who states Khareeb, number 3865 in the chapter on virtues. However, this narration is daif due to Uthman ibn najia being in his chain, referred to Takrib. So Uthman ibn najia is a weak narrator, but Imam Tirmidhi, he went on to explain. This hadith has been related from Abdullah ibn Muslim Abi Tayba, from ibn Buraydah from the Prophet in Mursal form. And this is more authentic. Recorded in Tirmidhi, number 3865, in the chapter on virtues. So to be strict, this hadith is more authentic, Imam Tirmidhi said, as a Mursal. So Atabi relates from the Prophet however there is an unbroken chain back to the Prophet but there's a weakness in Whatever the case, it makes absolute sense that these noble souls would be the guides and the light for the people. And of course if you notice the companions spread all over the world and many are buried in that part of the world, many in Sham and also in Turkey. Abu Ayyub al Ansari is buried there and it's a great honor for those people because they will be a, a guide the Prophet sallallahu alaihi said uh, and also a light I helping those people May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be well pleased with all of these elite and chosen souls and forgive us all for their honorable sake Amen. So all I mentioned today was talking about now his sad passing and even from his leaving the world, Sallallahu Alaihi we learned most valuable lessons. And note, he couldn't pray for death, and he was fed up. He even said, because I'm fed up with life, because Allah has fulfilled all my wishes. And how many children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren accepted, did he see? You know, he lost count how much he buried. And then of course, finally the moment came and he was fully prepared with his deeds and also the tabarruk of the, the remnants of the Prophet and I mentioned where he's buried. It's a village called Taf near Basra in Iraq. Hmm. Are there any questions? So <laughs> Wa